Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All right, another UFC event coming up in Las Vegas. A ton of pre-fight drama as expected in this crazy world we live in right now. But tomorrow night at the UFC Apex, let there be fights, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome you to the UFC Vegas 9 preview show for MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Hack. That is Jose Youngs. Jose, let's talk drama here. I mean, we had some moving and shaking over the last 24 hours or so. First off, Sajar Eubanks was scheduled to fight Carol Rosa tomorrow night. Rosa had issues with her weight cut. She was hospitalized. Obviously, we wish her all the best, but Eubanks is now off the card altogether, and now she's going to face Julia Avila next weekend. So that was one thing. And then there was a bit of a scare with Brian Kelleher last night because he goes on Twitter and says that the phone rang. He's got a new opponent, which looks looked to have been Ray Rodriguez, who weighed in as a backup earlier today. I confirmed last night that Natividad got retested after a false positive. He's good to go for tomorrow night, at least as of right now. So I guess my first question is, is this something that should no longer be a surprise to us? Like, Is this, I guess, more the rule than the exception moving forward in 2020 UFC? Yeah, I'd be more surprised if nothing happened. I mean, it seems like nothing is safe until the, they're actually in the octagon. Like, what was it? The last two weeks, we've lost fights the day of the fights. Like, wasn't Gerald Mearshart, Ed Herman? Like, that was scrapped. They weighed in. They stared down. And then, like, the next day, Saturday morning, it was scrapped. Like, and then what, OSP, Alonzo Menafield, the first time, they weighed in and stared down. And then that fight was scrapped the day of the fight and was pushed to today. So nothing is safe until the fighters even enter the octagon because even remember what was it trevin giles was getting ready to walk and then the fight fell out he was literally had his hands taped up he was ready to go he was ready to make the walk and then like 30 seconds before the fight he passes out so nothing is safe in 2020 until the fighters are inside the octagon and then all they have to worry about is getting punched eye poked low blowed submitted whatever but until then no fight is official. <laughs> <laughs> well, one fight that at least is official right now with weigh-ins and all that stuff is the main event tomorrow night. We have Alistair Overeem, the wily veteran of, I don't know, 17,000 or so professional combat sports fights. The man is a legend for sure. And after an impressive win over Walt Harris, he's going to headline tomorrow night's event against Augusto Sakai, a man who has won six in a row. I have to be honest, Jose, when this fight was announced, I don't know if I had like an actual reaction to it. It was like equal parts surprised and intrigued at the same time. Obviously a huge opportunity for Sakai, pretty risky fight for Overeem in my opinion. What say you? 
Yeah, but that seems to be Overeem's MO, especially lately, where he's like he's so willing to fight anyone because even when he loses, he just wants to get back in there and compete and make it make it closer to the title picture. And he's in that mindset where I'm not just gonna start calling people out because then that won't get me closer. I'm going to keep fighting until they can't deny me a title shot. So we saw that when he won who was it, when he fought Sergey over in uh, in Beijing at like four in the morning off back to back loss. He took on a like, young upstart Francis and gone and takes on a young Curtis Blades. Uh, he he will fight anyone, regardless of ranking, uh, record, uh, experience inside the octagon. Like that's why I said when he fought Walt Harris in Jacksonville, he was the perfect opponent for Walt Harris because he a was going to take the fight seriously. B was played all the respects to Walt. Overeem's never wanted to talk trash or bring up needed drama or, or anything like that. And he's someone that has pretty much experienced almost anything that if, if you throw over him there, you're, you, you're working with a professional. So when they announced this fight, I was with you. I didn't really have a reaction, but it's it's I'm not surprised over him took this fight because especially in recent times, that's been his M.O. Yeah, I mean, when I say risky, it's more of like a like a stock department risky because clearly the advantage goes to Augusta Sakai in that department. If he wins, Overeem has won three out of his last four. And, you know, the Walt Harris fight sticks out a lot, but he believes he's got another run to the title left in him at this point in his career. And who's to who's to say that's not true? But I'm like, what does a win over Augusta Sakai do for Alistair Overeem? It keeps him moving forward, especially in this heavyweight division that is now super interesting. Now that Daniel Cormier and Stephen Miocic are no longer uh, keeping that division hostage with that trilogy, the division can move forward. And Dana White has said, Francis is not getting skipped over. Francis is next. Now with the addition of John Jones, uh, and especially since Curtis Blades has already lost twice to Francis Ngannou, he might not get a shot against him, especially if Francis beats Stipe. I think Overeem just needs to keep working and working and working and knocking off these guys. And this could be kind of a placeholder fight, but if he doesn't fight, that means people pass him. That means people will move on from him. This is this is my division and my spot, and I'm going to maintain it and keep fighting and keep my name moving forward in this division that's now open that's now wide open. What about Sakai? I, you know, he says that if he beats a legend, he gets on the road to becoming a legend in his own right. And he should be a top five guy with the win over a guy like Alistair Overeem. Do you agree with that sentiment or is he, you know, just shooting a little too high here? I don't know if he's top five, but he'd clearly be like top 10, top seven. If he's not already, I don't know his, his ranking off the top of my head. But what would that be like five, five, six in a row at heavyweight? He's super young in the division. So the, the UFC heavyweight division needs fighters like Augusto Sakai, who, yeah, I don't want to say he's biting off more than he can chew, but like you need that mindset going forward. Like if I beat Alistair Overeem, if I knock, like look at the last two people who have beaten Alistair Overeem, like Jairzinho Rosenstreak, uh, Franz Ngannou, Curtis Blades. Like these are the best of the best at heavyweight. These are all top five exciting heavyweights. If he goes out there and puts out a performance like that against Alistair Overeem, you have to start mentioning him in those na- in with those names i don't think he'll do that because i don't think he's that type of fighter especially compared to nganu and rosa street and curse blades who are all hyper explosive athletic and augusto sakai is more of a uh i don't know i don't know how to describe it. he's coming off a couple split decision wins you don't see francis nganu and rosa street and curse blades pulling off split decisions they're all pretty dominant but uh, a win a win is a win in the ufc especially in the heavyweight division moving forward so uh it's 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 a mass. It would be massive for his career, uh, putting his putting his name under uh, in the column of wins over Alistair Overeem. Do you have an official pick here? Does Sakai take that extra step here? 
No, I don't think so. Uh, I actually think Augustus Kai is a lot better than people think. I think those two split decisions are – they're splits. And I know I like to joke a split decision win in the UFC heavyweight division can just, should just be an L because no heavyweight should go to a decision. That's all tongue-in-cheek, good fun because a win is a win and you get the rest of your paycheck for that. But I don't think he gets it done, especially in five rounds. Overeem uh, – this new Overeem has looked very impressive, especially like we saw the Walt Harris fight. Like if they stopped that Walt Harris fight, when Walt Harris was just throwing bombs on him, I don't think any of us would complain about that stoppage at all. Like, he was just putting it on him. And then Overeem hit the switch, literally hit the switch. Uh, like, you saw what, what training with Curtis Blades has done for his wrestling. Like, he switched, reversed, and then just unloaded with his own attack. So uh, this new Overeem that's added some new wrinkles to his game, especially training with Curtis Blades, is a very dangerous uh, individual. And let's not forget, he was four seconds away. For beating Jairzinho Rosenstreich, who was a late notice replacement for Walt Harris uh, on that DC card uh, before his lip got torn open uh, with four seconds to go. So he could very well be on a four fight win streak. He's not. I win as a win. Jairzinho Rosenstreich is a bad dude in his own mind. But I think uh, I think Alistair gets this done inside three. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel, especially with the last two fights, this is probably, I'm not going to say like the easiest road to a fight but compared to december and his last fight with walt harris especially the last fight with everything going on in walt's life yeah. all the questions being asked and you know his first fight in the COVID era there's a lot going on there now he's you know got the same opponent the entire time he gets to kind of roll on into a fight that he's been preparing for for a while so i like over in this fight too how he does it i have no idea because it's the heavyweight division and it's 2020, so this could be a five-round decision for all we know, but I'm favoring Overeem here. Co-main event, we have Ovin St. Prue taking on Alonzo Menafield, and I feel like we just talked about this fight. <laughs> That's because we did two weeks ago. OSP, test positive for COVID. He's pulled from the card right before the event began, as you alluded to. Now we're rebooked for tomorrow night. So I guess like the only question I have here, since we broke this fight down at least once at this point, does this extra time give an advantage to either fighter at all, or is this the same scenario we were in a couple of weeks ago? That's a good question. I don't honestly know. Uh, it always be coming off about with COVID, COVID-19. So uh, I've, I've, there's been a couple of Major League Baseball players who have caught, and they said it's taken them a while to physically feel the same. Like uh, I can't remember his name, but he's like, it's hard for me to even just like muster energy or strength at times in the day just because my body is still going through it and i've never had it i don't know the exact right like the fallout from it but if a fighter is feeling that and you're about to go fist fight a human being like alonzo menafield good luck to you man because that's gonna be a rough rough day but alonzo menafield uh is still young and what he only has like what 10 11 fights total uh i mean i'm sure the added time did benefits for him but it's back-to-back -back weight cuts for these two guys, and they're not the smallest light heavyweights in the world. Like, OSP most recently fought a heavyweight. I think he was, like, 240, something like that, which yeah. is heavier than the heavyweight the heavyweight champion and Stipe Miocic at times. So it's like an extra 35 pounds. So I don't know. I don't know what the benefits are from an extra, what, one to two weeks. I, I honestly don't know how, how OSP is feeling physically, and I've not ever really had an interaction with Alonzo Menafield uh, outside of interviewing him. So I'm, I'm, that's a good question. I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. Um, check out my interview with OSP. It was kind of, it was interesting. He said he actually feels better than he did two weeks ago. He said he came in lighter into fight week than he did two weeks ago. So I guess like from what he was telling me, he got COVID in like the middle or end of July. And for some reason, 
it kept coming up on the test. So he was as surprised as anybody else because he had different fluctuations of like, it was negative, positive, negative, positive. Weird. So pretty weird situation, but he looks ready to go. Menafield's ready to go. So finally this fight's going to go down in the co-main event tomorrow night. But I think the fight circled on a lot of people's cards heading into today. And now on everybody's cards after their face off is the welterweight matchup between Michelle Pajera, his first fight since Diego Sanchez matchup in February, where he was disqualified after completely dominating every single second of that fight. And it's also the last fight of his current deal. He's going to take on Zalim Amadeev, who looks to get back on track, just like Pajeda. Both guys come in on a two-fight losing streak. This fight just screams craziness and all, all the things we're looking for as fight fans. But uh, what comes to mind when you think of this fight? Because it's just glorious to me. I think there's going to be a lot of yelling back and forth <laughs> during this fight. Uh, Michelle Pineda and Zalim, uh, they got into it on the stage. Like M M Michelle Pineda, I don't think he's like an angry, agitated individual. He just gets very hyped to fight. He's excited to fight. So when he's squared off, with Zaleem. He got really close and kind of pushed his face up against him. Zaleem pushed him and they were yelling back and forth. They both made the, the throat slash motion. I don't think they hate each other. I think it's just they're very hyped and they want to, they're excited to fight. Now, Michelle Pereira is a video game character uh, come to life. Whether he got his cardio situation uh, figured out is a whole nother story. Uh, he made weight. Obviously, he didn't make weight a few fights ago and that played a, uh, that was very detrimental to his cardio. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I know uh, what Zaleem has that KO loss to Danny Roberts, if I'm not mistaken. That was one of his last two fights. Now, Michelle Pereira had one of the best knockouts I've ever seen against Danny Roberts. So just based on MMA math alone, which is, of course, the most ridiculous argument in the world uh, <laughs> that would favor Michelle Pereira, I would still favor him. I think he was – he not only do I think he was beating Diego Sanchez for that DQ. Like I think we can all agree that Michelle Pereira – would have won that fight if it reached the judge's decision. Uh, I just think he's an uber exciting fighter, a very, very talented, very exciting to watch. I don't know if he'll ever be champion, but he's a guy that everyone is like, we're talking about him. We are talking. He's on a two fight losing streak. His opponent is on a two fight losing streak. This is not the best fight card we've seen. And we are still talking about Michelle Fed. And that just shows you how captivating he is inside the octagon with his back flips and his runs off the cage. Like I showed my girlfriend some of his highlights. She's like, this isn't real. That's not a real fighter. <laughs> so it gets it's it, it's hard not to pay attention uh, to this this individual. So I favor him to win. Uh, and if this is his last fight, I expect the UFC is really going to want him back because uh, people talk. People are talking about him for sure. As Alex Kaylee would say, uh, it gets him off the couch. I'm pretty sure, and and I might be wrong about this. You guys can go back into the archives and check it out. But I think Pajeda had the longest virtual media day scrum of anybody on the card. Like, definitely longer than Sakai. Overy might be the only one who didn't, but I'm not 100% sure. But Pajeda, I mean, any guy who says, I spent my training camp yeah. taking cows down and running with horses on a farm. I mean, th th this guy is just something else. So that's going to be a, a good fight to watch tomorrow night. Main cards, you know, pretty decent. We got Crystal Crew member Brian Kelleher taking on newcomer Kevin Natividad. That's going to be a great fight. Is we he? got the light. As of right now, it is 3.30 Eastern time as we say this. So as of now, that is the case. Along with, we got Jalen Turner, who's just the biggest 55er I've ever seen in terms of height. Yeah. Taking on Tiago Moises and then... uh Jose, you know where I'm going with this. There's there's some fights on this card that are interesting that that aren't getting enough love here. So let, let us change that. Let us give it some love. What is that under-the-radar fight that you have circled on the card tomorrow night? Well, I know uh, the one that was, quote, that, quote, won 
in between the links for whatever that means. I mean, the fans all agree that I won. They all disagree with you. Alexander <laughs> Romanoff and Marcos Hogerio de Lima has got to be a fun one. It's a heavyweight. It's a heavyweight scrap. I can't imagine that fight goes to the three rounds. It has zero title implications right now. But if you're just looking for like a banger of a fight, I'd probably circle that one for some sort of weird stoppage. And then if we're looking at fights that are actually important to the division, women's flyweight is not the deepest division in the UFC. So anytime you can string together a couple wins or get some impressive performances, it kind of, you, you're not going to get a title shot right away, but it moves you, moves you a lot closer than most divisions would if you're on one, two fight win streak. So Vivian Arujo versus Montana De La Rosa, you kind of have to circle for importance in the division. Vivian Arujo, uh, I was at her fight in Edmonton when I think she beat Alexis Davis. Uh, and that was kind of her coming out party. She had that great speech at the end where she's like, any woman going through like domestic abuse and this and that, come to my gym and I will train you on self-defense. So she kind of won over a lot of fans there. And then she fought Jessica I, just guy missed weight, if I'm not mistaken. And Vivian Rujao didn't win. I think if she had won, she'd be very, very close to a title shot, if not already had one at that point. Then Montana De La Rosa obviously has that, that good story where her husband is also uh, fighting in the UFC. And I believe her only loss recently is to like Andrea Lee, Cynthia Calvillo, uh, those type of fighters. So, uh, and I even think Cynthia was on the regional circuit, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't even in the yep. UFC. So she's losing to the best of the best and she's beating everyone else. Uh, so I think you really have to circle that fight for not. Might not. I don't think it's going to have a stoppage, but it's the one. It's, I think it's the only fight in the prelims that will have some sort of implication moving forward in the rankings. Yeah, I, I'm Rogerio DeLima versus Romanoff is just crazy. Like the more I've dove into that fight, the more excited I am, and uh, it's going to be interesting. But in terms of matchups, like I, I agree with you, Arujo versus De La Rosa is fun. But I have a feeling, and I seem to do this every time we we pick these under the radar fights. But I'm going to. The first fight of the night, Cole Smith mm -hmm. versus Hunter Azure sticks out to me at 135 because both guys are coming off their first pro losses. Smith was interesting because a lot of people thought he beat Miles Johns in Vancouver. I I thought it was really, really close. Could have gone either way. Close. But a lot of people thought Cole Smith won that fight. And then Azure looked the best he's ever looked in his entire career until Brian Kelleher knocked him out in the he second round winning. in Jacksonville. He was winning until he wasn't. And I think Dana White even brought it up. Uh, when when we interviewed him uh, at the scrum because I was there in Jacksonville when during the the fight the live betting odds like Brian Kelleher all of a sudden became like a plus two hundred plus three hundred at one point because Azure looked so good that Kelleher became like a plus three hundred underdog like during the fight until he knocked him dead so uh, Hunter Azure like that's a fun fight it's a it's a phenomenal fight and it's a fight that uh, I would assume Mike Heck would pick as an under-the-radar fight. <laughs> That's my kind of fight, but that'll be a good one at 135. But who knows what's going to happen tomorrow night, if this card will remain intact tomorrow night. I'm trying to stay positive here, but I'm just preparing for what could be. But uh, it's, you know, it's weird, man, because didn't we just have media day, and the, we spoke to Sajara Eubanks, and we spoke to Brian Keller, and then like 20 minutes later, it's like, no, they didn't, one of them might not have a fight, and the other one is moving to another week. So I'm not even... This preview show might be obsolete in 24 hours. <laughs> now, Timmy Down we had a media day scrum, too. It was crazy. But uh, sure. we'll just stay positive here. I mean, things could happen tonight, tomorrow night, later on this afternoon. But either way, keep it locked to MMAfighting.com because we'll keep you updated on any changes or any all the results that happen for UFC Vegas 9 tomorrow night. As we wrap up another preview show, for Jose Youngs, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you tomorrow night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.